Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Lon Safko, who is co-author of the Social Media Bible, Tactics, Tools, and Strategies for Business Success. Today we will discuss social media issues and his book. Lon is the creator of the first computer to save a human life. That computer, along with 18 inventions and more than 30,000 of Lon's papers, are in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. He has created numerous hardware and software solutions for the physically challenged, developed the first CAD software for civil engineers, designed archetypes for the Apple Newton and Microsoft Bob operating systems. He is also responsible for the Tool Tips Help Balloon Pop-Ups, Lon received a number of prestigious awards, including the Westinghouse Entrepreneur of the Year, the Arizona Innovation Network Innovator of the Year, the Arizona Software Association's Entrepreneur of the Year, and the Public Relations Society of America Edward Bernay Mark of Excellence Award. Lon is the founder of nine companies, including Paper Models, Inc., which uses downloadable three-dimensional models in business advertising, promotions, and education. He has authored five books on how to train managers to think creatively, how to launch a successful online business, and how new homeowners can reduce building costs. His latest book with John Wiley and Sons, The Social Media Bible, addresses social media tools such as Facebook and YouTube. Lon, a professional speaker, also privately coaches Fortune 500 companies on harnessing innovative thinking to create higher productivity and profits through on-site visits and personalized presentations. Lon, welcome. Hello. Good to be here. This is such a hot topic that you must be in very high demand. You know I am, and it's a lot of fun because I get to train and help a lot of people on this subject. And in these economic times, you know, what better time can we find a really effective form of marketing? This is cool. And it's available to small and large businesses, to newbies and experienced people pretty much around the world, right? You know, it actually is. If you're an entrepreneur with one person working out of your home bedroom or you're a Fortune 500 company with 30,000 employees, uh, the marketing tools and techniques are, are the same and everybody's on an even playing field. And the best part is, is almost 100% of them are absolutely free. It just takes a little time and some creativity. So I think the million dollar question or maybe multi-million dollar question these days is how do you get started? Because it's so much to cover. When you say Bible, it really is applicable because it is such a tome that you have here that you've published with your colleague, David Brake. And there is so much material in there. How do you start? What, what are the basics, if you could help us get our arms around the topic overall? Yeah, and even when I was writing the book, starting out uh, putting together the outline, that was the toughest thing for me. I looked at over 200 companies, probably close to 250 different companies, and there was no no category for them. There was no way to kind of figure out how to uh, put them all together and figure out which ones were the right ones. And actually, it's not as hard as you think uh, when you start to get involved with social media. Basically, there's three most important things that you need to do. The first thing, you need to blog. There's no doubt about it. Blogging is has a great return on investment. And the second one is tweeting using Twitter, and everybody's seen that. The Time Magazine cover last month. Uh, that's a very valuable marketing tool. And then the last one, of course, is social networking. Social networking is probably the most important out of all of those. And if you can get those three, you pretty much have 99% of everything you need to do. All right. Now that you've narrowed it to the three basics, I think you were telling me earlier that they're the, the, the trinity. Yeah, yeah, I just call it the social media trinity because it's the three most important things that you need to know. All right, so let's start with Twitter, which seems to just be on fire lately. Would you tell us, essentially, what is Twitter and what is the importance and the application of Twitter from a business perspective. If you're a business, should you consider Twitter as a tool and why? Yeah, absolutely. Again, any business from a, a one-person shop all the way up to a Fortune 500, and actually many Fortune 500 companies are using Twitter. Twitter really is no more than text messaging with groups. Uh, you can follow 
individuals and groups of people can actually follow you. And it's just text messaging using your cell phone, or you can actually send it out of your computer. Now, the reason that Twitter is important is, let's say, for example, whatever industry you're in, uh, you probably have a lobbyist. You probably have somebody up on Capitol Hill that's uh, trying to pass laws in your favor. Maybe it's a tax law or a tax break. Maybe uh, President Obama is making some changes in your area, or there's experts in your field. Wouldn't it be cool if the moment the gavel dropped on Capitol Hill, you actually actually got a text message explaining what just passed within seconds of when it passed. Well, that's how people are using Twitter because they're following experts in their field. For example, Robert Scoble is a famous blogger. He's, he's very popular in social media. Uh, he was in a conference in Munich, and uh, something really important that had to do with social media was mentioned on stage. He text messages it, and I get it in Phoenix, Arizona within seconds of when it was actually announced. So by following these different people, you're kept continuously up to date of what's happening in your industry or whatever your likes and or interests are. Now, the reverse is also true, is that you become an industry leader by having people follow you. So what I try to do every day multiple times a day, is to send out little helpful tips on social media. Uh, for example, a little while ago, I sent out my tweet that said um, – Remember, authenticity, sincerity, and transparency are the three most important things when participating in social media. Now, these are little tips that go to people that care about what I have to say. So you can really get to an awful lot of people, get your message out, and be perceived as an industry leader. Um, and there's some really good examples. Would you like to hear a couple? Absolutely. Yeah, probably the best one, or at least my favorite one, is uh, when Dell computer had their laptops with the batteries blowing up, uh, in fl literally in flames a couple years ago. Uh, the vice president of Dell immediately understood uh, not only the, the, the physical problem that they had with their computers, but also the PR problem and the potential of losing market share. So he was smart enough to immediately get on Twitter, uh, set up an account, and anybody who owned a Dell computer could then follow him. And every hour of every single day, he told people what to do, how to prevent it from happening, what to do if it did happen, where the, the nearest tech center was, what Dell's uh, replacement policies were. I mean... In any other circumstances or 10 years earlier, if your laptop blew up in your lap, that would be a bad thing for a company. But because of the way they responded so quickly, Dell actually gained market share because people respected that they, Dell was there to help them. That's amazing. And by the way, those tools cost absolutely nothing. If you wanted to communicate with a million people across the entire United States, what would a media buy like that cost? But in this case, it was absolutely free. Okay, so if I'm understanding correctly, the importance of Twitter is that it, it puts you out there in the forefront, and it puts you in immediate, instant contact almost with the, the people who are following you. Beautifully put. Absolutely. And there, there was a story, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V, they call him, uh, who's a marketing maniac out of New Jersey. Uh, he's a Jersey boy, grew up in New Jersey, parents of immigrants. And uh, he took over his father's wine distribution company a few years ago that was doing about $5 million a year and built it to over $50 million a year in 36 months using social media tools. And recently, he wanted to establish an ROI because everybody is asking, what is the rate of return on investment? If I put X amount of dollars in up front, what does social media deliver on the, on the back end? And he did something interesting. He used conventional media, conventional marketing. He did a direct mail piece. Now, everybody in business at one time or another has done a direct mail piece. And we all know that the conversion rate, and conversion really just defines having somebody call you, is abysmal. It's about one half of 1%. Best case scenario, if you sent out a 1,000 direct mail pieces, you can throw 999 of them in the garbage, and only one of them gets responded to. So he did that, and it cost him, him $15,000. He also did a billboard, cost him $7,500 along one of the uh, freeways in New Jersey, and he also did a tweet, which is a free text message. And what the message was is that if you buy wine from me, I'll pay for the shipping, which is anywhere from $9 for a bottle, $49 for an entire case. And he put a different code in each of the three advertising. Now, keep in mind, direct mail piece, $15,000, actually brought him in 200 new customers, which is pretty good for a direct mail piece. The $7,500 billboard brought him in 300 customers. The free text message, the free tweet, brought him in 1,800 new customers. 
That's a pretty dramatic difference. You know, it actually is. And the reason is, is that there's a what's in it for me value, which is the most important thing that our listeners always has, have to remember. If you're using social media, there has to be a what's in it for me, a valuable takeaway. And that was a valuable takeaway between 9 and $49. Now, it's not just your network. But once people saw this, they began to retweet it to their network. So in my network, I have almost 1,600 people. But if each of those tweeted back out to 1,000 people, you're literally reaching a half a million people within moments for free. If you have a product such as this gentleman that you were talking about that is selling wine, tweeting, tweeting obviously has a great potential. What about... If you don't have a product, what if you're in the service industry and your service is a lot less tangible? Do you still have the same kind of potential? Does it still compare favorably to other methods similar to what you just shared in the example? Yeah, I really believe that uh, no matter what kind of industry you are, uh, because I get a lot of questions. Uh, For example, I'm a nonprofit. Well, you know, even if you're a nonprofit or if you're a government agency, you still have customers. Your customers are your taxpayers, your donators. You still are providing a service. You're providing parks and recreation if you're a government entity. You're providing a museum if you're a nonprofit. So the rules apply truly to uh, all businesses, profit, nonprofit, government agencies, and service industries, of course. And and here's another example. I was traveling with Amanda Vega uh, back to New York a couple of weeks ago. We were doing a press tour, and uh, she flew a different airline. She was on Continental Airlines, and they were late. So she was waiting for her plane, and she pulls out her cell phone, and she kind of complained about it. She says, uh, Continental Airlines is late again, 15 minutes. What else is new? Bam, goes out to all her followers. Now, the thing that I love – now, they're a service. I mean, they're they're a service provider. So the plane – they finally began uh, boarding the plane, and as she stepped onto the plane, the stewardess walked over to her and said, are you Amanda Vega? And she says, yes, I am. And they handed her a glass of champagne and apologized for being late. Is that amazing? (laughs) That's fast. That is really fast. So guess what? The next time she books a flight, guess what airline it's going to be on? Continental. Continental, absolutely. And see, and I'm telling the story, and this is going to go out to literally millions of people through your radio show. How do you, if you're listening to us, decide if this is the right tool for you? Because obviously it's not just about starting a Twitter account, which is very easy to do, but you really have to put some effort into it. You have to put some thinking into it and focus on the needs of your audience, as you just said a moment ago, what's in it for the audience that's following you. How do you make that decision and what does it take? How often, for example, do you need to tweet in order for people to even pay attention to you? Totally awesome question. That is awesome because most people don't realize it. Uh, Even Fortune 500 companies, huge marketing and public relation companies are selling social media services to their clients. And when I've interviewed quite a few of them, I won't mention any names, but what they say is, oh yeah, we're, we're selling social media to our clients because we got them a blog and we set up a Twitter account. Well, that's just the tools. It's like saying, yeah, they're going to build their house because I gave them a saw and a hammer. Kind of a big difference. So it really gets down to the strategy, as you pointed out, is to understand your demographic and to know, first of all, the right tools to use. uh, Because if you're going to a younger audience, you're going to probably get a higher demographic penetration, market penetration, uh, using Twitter than if you had a, say, over 60 demographic because they don't text message as much. So understanding who your audience is, who your demographic, and most importantly, putting the strategy together that's appropriate for your demographic really is the most important. So getting back to Twitter, yeah, a lot of people set up accounts, don't know what to do with it, don't follow people. Okay, well, then that's not very useful, but it doesn't cost anything. So I encourage you to at least go through step one. So the the second step is, for example, I tweet often about my book. And what I try to do is to go through the book and pick out really good pieces of information that anybody who follows me say, wow, I didn't know that. Or, you know what, I could use that. Or, wow, that's just a really cool statistic. That's value because it all has good takeaways. So do it as often as you can, but don't do it unless you have something good to say. Which seems to fit a little bit the way that Twitter itself 
recognizes their own leaders because help me out this is your area but they seem to divide it into two different things one is sort of talking for the sake of talking or talking about your state of mind and the other one is actually sharing useful information incredible observation once again and most people don't recognize this because I get an awful lot of complaints well I use Twitter for business and I'm getting sick of the minutiae I really don't care if this guy had bacon with his breakfast or that his kitty cat's playing with some yarn right now (laughs) and in business those are inappropriate responses so yeah actually what's happening in Twitter is that we get we're getting this division where some people are using it to personally communicate with friends and family and they want to know what they're doing Uh, for example my brother in Denver uh, tweeted me when he first got on Twitter that he was having lunch with Michael Murphy. Michael Murphy's the songwriter that did Wildfire. Well, that's kind of cool. We grew up on that song and he's having lunch. And to me, that was interesting. I'm sure to a business associate, they couldn't care less. Now, in business, I follow mostly business and I tweet business. So everything that I talk about is business oriented. So really, when you get on Twitter, you got to make up your mind, are you going to use it for personal or are you going to use it for business? And if, if you use it for both, that's perfectly okay. You can set up what's called personas, which means that I'll set up Lon for my personal and then for my business, it would be Lon Safko. And I'll do different tweets under different names because it have different purposes and different followers. Okay, so now I've got another question for you. How do you get followers? Because everybody seems to be obsessed with the idea of having a gazillion followers. There was the whole competition thing they had going on with the celebrities who was going to have more followers anywhere in the Twitter accounts. But ultimately, is it a numbers game or is it really about the quality of the followers that you get? Tell us a little bit about that, if you would, Lon. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Yeah, Ashton Kutcher actually uh, beat the snot out of Larry King. (laughs) He broke the million mark before he did. (laughs) But the cool thing was is that um, everybody benefited because all of the money that was wagered in that bet actually went to uh, buying malaria nets for children in Africa. So that that, that was kind of cool. And believe it or not, and I'm sure you're going to understand this, uh, Oprah – is the number has the number one follower list, the largest list of anybody in the world right now. Doesn't surprise us. Uh, but yeah, actually, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of David Knorr who wrote a book called um, Relationship Economics, which really kind of focuses on just that. It's not about numbers. Having the most followers may look impressive on paper or on your website, but unless you're exchanging valuable information with those people, They have absolutely no value whatsoever. And the one thing that I'm really disappointed that's happening in Twitter that I don't see happening in other parts of social media is the um, inordinate amount of spam. Everybody that I sign up to or who is following me, uh, the first message I get for them, oh, if you want to make a million dollars a week, click here. It's just one advertisement after the other. In other forms of social media, especially uh, social networks such as LinkedIn, if you pull that stuff, if you go commercial on people, they're going to flame you. It's called flaming. And what they'll do is they'll shoot back at you. Social media is not for broadcasting your commercial message. It's for networking and connecting with other people. How do you go about generating followers and how do you go about deciding who to follow? Yeah, good point. Um, it, well, it's kind of you have a website. Does the your show have a website? Yes, it's the HispanicNPR.com website where ah. the interviews are available as well as the stories. Exactly. Now, did he, hear what you just said? HispanicRadio.com has all these wonderful stories that you can come and download podcasts and get all this valuable information. You have to do the same thing with your Twitter account. Make sure it's on your business card. Make sure it's on your letterhead. Make sure it's all over your website so that when people do come to your website that they know they can get instant updates from you via Twitter. Talk about it on your radio show. When you introduce yourself, always mention your website and mention your Twitter account. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, just go to at Lon Safko. So you just kind of keep it out there, and eventually people will start to hear about you, and they'll follow you, and providing that you you give them good takeaways. For example, uh, you can start tweeting today and say, I just talked to had an interview with Lon Safko, and here's the top five things that I got out of it, and I'm going to share them with you in the next five tweets. Well, your people are going to be watching all five of those tweets because it's all valuable information that you're sharing with them. Then that's going to drive them to your website, and it's also going to make them follow you. Now, here's a question that somebody I was discussing this topic with the other day asked me that I'm hoping you have the answer to. (laughs) And that is the following. 
yes, you may get followers. A lot of people, as they sign up for accounts, start following other people because they want followers, and somebody told them that was how to get followers. But they don't, in fact, serve any useful purpose. In other words, they're not interested in what you have to say, or they're not necessarily going to visit your website. This particular person mentioned that they had not seen an increase in visitors to their website, even though they had a lot of Twitter followers, and that to them, spending time on Twitter didn't really bring any useful results. Yeah, that's true. And unfortunately, again, as I, I get back to that spamming problem, is that people are getting a little bit numb and they're not reading their tweets. So what I would recommend in that case is, first of all, there's no cost involved. So if you have 2,000 followers and only 200 of them really have any value, that's okay because sending out a, a, a valuable tweet to 2,000 cost the same as sending it out to 200. So you don't really even have to weed them out like you do, say, with, with email. You can just blast. If you have a good positive what's in it for me, you know what? Out of that remaining 1,800 that didn't have any value, they may retweet it or you may then pick them up as serious viewers. And if you don't, again, it really doesn't cost anything. And then getting back to this persona is probably a good idea. You can have one that hey, anybody who wants to follow you, you follow them back and you can tweet out of that one. But then have one. It's kind of like email. Everybody has got their own personal email that they never sign up for anything on the website because they don't want to start getting spammed. They they don't give it out. Uh, they kind of keep it to themselves. And then they have this other one for uh, just putting out on the internet and signing up for accounts. So, you know, do the same thing with Twitter. Get one account that you got 2,000 people that follow you, and then have another one where you really have your most sincere audience. Now, Lon, you mentioned something that really caught my attention, and that was you said there's no cost. There's no cost in, in the sense that Twitter is free to use, but as a company, you have to dedicate resources to your whatever efforts they are. So there is a cost in terms of the time and the effort. As we said earlier, you have to dedicate time and thinking to the strategy if you're going to do this right. So is there some sort of a formula that can help listeners decide if they should Twitter or how much they should Twitter? Who's, who is Twitter a good fit for? Well, again, I think Twitter is a good fit for everybody. And, of course, the formula is, is developing a strategy. Uh, but strategy, again, really is the, is the most important thing when using any social media tools. And it does co take resources. And I do throw the word free around very often. And the reason is, is that for the last 25 years, I've done conventional marketing. So if I needed to go out and reach 50,000 people uh, on a radio station, I had to set aside $25,000 to do that. Or if I needed to reach a quarter of a million people in using television, uh, I had to set aside $100,000 to do that. And if I needed to do a national campaign, I had to set aside a quarter of a million dollars to do that. Well, but with these particular tools, with, with blogging and video share and audio share, you can reach a million audience, but there is no cost associated with it. So that's my definition of it. It always requires some type of resources. And that's a question that a lot of companies are facing is who gets these uh, tasks of participating because it does require continuous participation. I watch my tweets continuously every day, all day, and I respond immediately. And that's the important thing, by the way, of, of all social media is to be able to respond quickly. Well, who does that? Everybody's overtaxed and overworked. Well, what I recommend is, is that, first of all, one of the things that you can do is you can bring in interns. <laughs> Generally, they're young and they understand this stuff better than the management. So that's a plus. Um, or hire somebody dedicated because if you're going to do conventional media anyway, you probably are spending a lot of time on it or you have a marketing public relations company that's already doing it. So divert a little bit of those resources. If you're a larger company, take 10 or 20% of your budget because social media isn't an end all. It's just a new set of media tools that should be integrated with your conventional marketing. So it's okay to take 20% of your conventional marketing budget and move it to include social media. But you do have to dedicate a person, several people, you do have to come up with some resources because it does take some time and it does take some creativity. But the cost of implementation beyond that is free. Let's talk a little bit about measurement. 
is there any measurement tool specifically in relation to Twitter? So for someone who is ready to follow your advice and dedicate 20% of their conventional budget to these social media tools, how can they measure results? And that's that's one of the toughest questions that we're all struggling with in social media. Again, every corporation says, if you want me to increase your budget or allocate a new budget or, or reallocate an existing budget, I need an ROI. What is the rate of return on investment? Well, as I said earlier, social media tools are just augmenting existing marketing. So my question then back to the CEO, because I work a lot mostly with CEOs because they're responsible for the strategic direction of their companies. And I say, okay, well, do you take out ads in trade publications? And they say, well, of course we do. I said, okay, well, the last ad you took out, I want to know how much you spent and exactly how many new customers you picked up as a result. And then I get that kind of blank stare, deer, deer in headlights kind of a thing happening because <laughs> there is no ROI that you could actually measure or it's very difficult. You can embed certain uh, codes and, and track those. But what's the value of branding when you're watching that Ford commercial or that McDonald's commercial 18 times during a primetime show? Building brand, brand awareness, brand engagement. What's, where's the ROI? Well, we all know that it's valuable. We're spending hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars every year building brand awareness. So right out of the gate, the first thing everybody has to understand is that social media is about building brand. And more importantly, commercials don't build trust. Everybody knows that if you're, you do a, a national television commercial, you probably spent a quarter of a million dollars producing that commercial. Now, common sense tells you that if you spend a quarter of a million dollars, you better have some kind of a hidden agenda. There is a message in there. There is something you're expecting the audience to do, and we all know that. And that's why when commercials come on, we either TiVo them or we go to the bathroom. So there's a hidden agenda. The nice thing is about social media, the exciting thing is, is because there's no cost associated with producing social media, there's generally no hidden agenda. So it's transparent, it's sincere, and it's authentic. And as a result, your messages in social media marketing have a tendency to be trusted. You build a trusted network because you're not trying to trick them with a hidden agenda. We know, for example, that some individuals and some companies have been caught faking. What are the, what is the protocol? What are the good manners? What are the guidelines for Twittering? Yeah, we're trying to figure out the etiquette, and it does kind of spread not only th through Twitter, but it spreads throughout all of uh, social networking and social media. And uh, the best example uh, that I can give you is Chris Brogan. What an awesome guy. And he he is one of the, the, the big guys in social media, and I'm glad to work with him occasionally. And what he did was is he got paid $500 from Walmart to simply blog about his ex shopping experience at Walmart. Okay, well, that sounds kind of innocuous. And in his blog, he mentioned that this was he was being paid, and his shopping experience was pleasant. And a lot of people follow his blogs. So basically, to pay 500 bucks for a positive commercial from somebody like this was an extremely good value, great ROI from Walmart. And he kept it above board, and he, he told everybody. He got flamed. He got flamed brutally because the question was, if you are being paid by a company, should you be talking about that company in a favorable light? If you're cashing a check, is it sincere, authentic, and transparent? And in his case, he believed it was because he told everybody. So, yeah, creating artificial personas, uh, being a corporation and pretending to be a stay-at-home mom or a shopper. Actually, in the UK, they just passed a law, and you can do jail time that's actually illegal in in England, and the FCC is looking at that right now in the United States. So, don't lie. There's no reason to lie. Just be authentic, sincere, and transparent. Okay. So we have a point of departure. If I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying it's easy to use. The barrier to entry is pretty much non-existent. If you've got a computer, you can do it. And why not try? Exactly. You got absolutely nothing to lose as long as you follow those three rules. Just be honest. If you're a corporation and you're blogging about your own company, say so. 
and don't make it commercial. Don't sell me. The, the best analogy that I came up with a couple of years ago is when people ask me, how do I, what is the etiquette for social media? Well, let's suppose you're at a, a networking event, a business networking event, or even a birthday party. Uh, and you walk into the party and there's a lot of people there. What you'll find is they're in groups. They're in groups of two and three and four and five. And there's different groups around the room. If you walked up to the group, pushed into the crowd and said, hi, my name is Lon Safko and I wrote the book and I want everybody to buy the social media Bible. Well, somebody's going to probably slap you and make, ask you to leave because that's inappropriate to do that, to try to sell your services. But if I went up to that group and I simply stood there, I listened to the conversation, I listened to what people were saying, and I waited until I had something valuable to add back to that conversation and then simply added it back as a member of the group, that would be completely appropriate. I want you to think in those exact same terms when you're participating in social media. Listen first. Listen to what your customers are saying first. Then when it's appropriate, add the right response. Using that as a stepping stone to the second part of the trilogy, or the trinity as you call it, let's talk a little bit about blogging. I, I know this is going to sound like a very basic question, but would you define blogging for us? What would you say is blogging? Yeah, blogging is really just keeping a web journal. It's called a web log, which is where it came up with its name. Web log or blog is, is short for that. And really what it is, is it just, it's kind of like creating a Word document. And when people say, well, I don't know, what, what, what do I do? I said, well, the first thing you do is you set up a free account. You can go to blogger.com, you can go to the socialmediabible.com, and we'll give you a free Ning account to blog. And all you do is just sign up for an account, and then it says, create a, a blog. I mean, that's pretty simple, create a post. Well, then you get a window that looks an awful lot like Microsoft Word, and you just start typing. And you can use bold and underline and put in images and video and all the stuff that you can do in Microsoft Word. And give me a half a page or a page of a thought. Now, for example, if you and I sat down at a table and uh, you were, let's, let's say you were selling me commercial advertising, and I said, well, what's the 10 most important things as an advertiser to your show that I would want to know why you bring value to your customers? Well, you'd get passionate and you, you, you'd probably give me 20 or 30 reasons why you do what you do for a living. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's what I want. I just want you to just take one of those thoughts and I want you to type a half a page. And if it takes you more than 15 minutes, you took a nap because it only takes you 15 minutes because you're passionate about what you do. And keep in mind the what's in it for me value. And then instead of the save button, there's a button that says publish. And when you publish it, now that half a page, that page of your most valuable thoughts are now available on the Internet 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of our lives. And search engines index blogs with a significantly higher priority. So that means that if you go and you spend a t some time creating a web page, it's going to take 12 to 14 days for Yahoo and Google to index that page. If you create a blog page, it's going to get indexed within 30 minutes. That's the difference. And you're going to come up higher on the search engines. So by creating these blogs every couple of days, once a week, just putting in really good thoughts, people will find them through searches, keyword searches. Um, on Google, and they'll start reading them, and then they'll click on the RSS feed, which means that they will be notified every time you write a new blog. That's all RSS is. It's just automatic notification. And they'll start following you, and then you will be perceived as an industry leader. And here comes the most important part of this. They'll, you will create an environment for two-way communication with your customers and prospects. For the first time in history, we can use the internet not for pontification like we do with web pages, but communication, truly two-way communication with your prospects and your customers. Who should blog? I say everybody. I say if you're a high school kid, you should be blogging um, about really good thoughts because uh, what you want to do with your life because human resource managers are looking for you. They, they are using Facebook. They're using LinkedIn. They're using MySpace more than any. 78% uh, of all human resource managers are using Facebook as a, a resource to determine whether or not they're going to hire somebody. That, that to me is amazing. So if my... my kid, which have all grown since, but if they were in high school, I'd say, I want you to blog intelligent things. That way, when you go to look for that next college, you go to look for that job, uh, you go to look for those grants, 
you have a presence. You're in the game, and people see that you have intelligent things to say. Anybody. So, yeah, high school kid all the way up to the Fortune 500 companies need to have that presence. What type of guidelines should a company executive, should a company representative, should a company, if it's, if it's a corporate blog, what type of guidelines should they use? What kinds of things should go on a blog and what shouldn't go on a blog? Yeah, they're kind of simple and really it's a summary of everything that we've been talking about. If you're a corporate blog, that's cool. I'm okay with reading corporate blogs. Let me know that it's a corporate blog. Let me know that there is some agenda. Not a real obvious or in-your-face kind of an agenda, but you're representing the corporation because I'm cool with that. The second thing is I want you to follow those three words, authentic, transparent, and sincere. If you're those three things, I will begin to trust you. And the second thing is don't go commercial on me. Give me good takeaways. Give me good what's in it for me, like Dell did. Dell helped all the people that had their problems. Continental Airlines helped a specific person. Comcast is absolutely using social media. I mean, geez, somebody tweets that they're having a problem uh, with their Comcast cable signal, and within a half an hour, a truck pulls up to their house. That's kind of scary. It's almost stalking. But boy, is that great service. So authenticity, sincerity, transparency. Don't go commercial on me. And be absolutely sure that I understand that it's a corporate blog. Give me good takeaways, and I trust you. I'll come back. Is there a situation where someone you think should not be blogging? Yeah, a lot of times I see corporations say, uh, okay, uh, bring all the PR people in here. Okay, uh, Sally, uh, you're going to run the blog. Well, you know what? If Sally isn't comfortable with writing, if she doesn't have good writing skills, if she's not going to keep it up, I mean, you have to have somewhat of a passion. And one of the things that's interesting is that there are very, very passionate people who really love to write about what they do for a living, about their company, about their company's successes. It doesn't have to be somebody in PR or marketing. Uh, it, it could be anybody in the company. And I strongly recommend that you encourage those people. Now, the, the next step is, is, is the downside of social media. A lot of companies are afraid of losing control. And we all know that control is an illusion. So the first thing they have to understand is you, you're either going to have chaos or you're going to have controlled chaos. Your people will blog about your company and about you with or without your permission. So my advice is, is to set up a blog of your own and encourage as many people as you wish to actually blog about the company. Now, that scares a lot of companies because what if they get off message? What if they share intellectual property rights? And the competition picks it up. Or even worse, if you're a Securities Exchange Commission, an SEC company that sells stock, you have the potential of a lot of liability if you say the wrong thing. So that's okay. What you ask your people to do is to simply write the blog, let, run it past legal, run it past PR, and for goodness sakes, please don't censor it. Just go easy on the censoring because people want it to be sincere. And then let them blog. Encourage them. I just went into um, Intel a couple of weeks ago, and we were having some conversations about how do you get employees to blog internally. It turned out that Intel has 6,000 employees blogging about the company outside of Intel. Wow, 6,000 people did it before they had a chance to kind of rein them in and to set up some guidelines. So uh, Fortune 500 companies, all companies need to be aware that they have to start setting up guidelines and they have to make it easy for photo sharing, for video sharing, and for blogging for their employees because if they don't, they'll go elsewhere and do it anyway. You mentioned something that has been very controversial uh, across the board, obviously not just in blogging, but I think of the media that we're talking about, perhaps it has the greatest potential to show up in blogs, and that was intellectual property. How do you deal with that issue using or taking advantage of somebody else's intellectual property and putting it on the blog or internal intellectual property? How do you address those issues? What kind of guidelines would you suggest? Yeah, the cool thing about this is, um, first of all, everybody's thinking that social media is this own different technology and we have to brainstorm new guidelines and, and, and what do we got? No, 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 no. It's conventional. It's just the next step in marketing. Many companies, when you get hired, part of your employment agreement says that you won't talk to the media. 
period, that we have media people to do that, and you're not allowed to do that. And if you do, you can get terminated. And a lot of people, a lot of companies have guidelines that say, here's the intellectual property, and you can't discuss it outside of the company. Well, that's all common sense, and we've been doing that for a hundred years. Well, social media is really just an extension of that same thing. Whether you're talking to a television camera in the parking lot or whether you're blogging to uh, 3,000 people on a blog, really it's the same. So all I'm asking the companies to do is instead of just saying newspaper, radio, and television, just simply add the term social media. So that's the first step. And then, of course, the second thing is, is once you have these guidelines in place, how do you enforce them? A lot of people are afraid, human resource managers are afraid, well, if I enforce it because they're having a blog, then I'm trying to limit their freedom of speech, their First Amendment rights, and is there an issue there? And the answer, of course, is no. And then the other question is, is what if someone does? Uh, There's an example of uh, someone who uh, was working for a company, and they were blogging about how they hated their job, but they were blogging to the whole world. And this person was warned several times not to to air the dirty company laundry in public, and he was eventually let go and filed a lawsuit against the company for wrongful termination. In my opinion, from a management perspective, the company had a perfect right to fire him because they warned him. Now, whether he went to television or he was doing <laughs> window flyers on, the, on cars and parking lots, he didn't have a right to do that. So really what I'm getting at is that all the laws that apply in the real world also apply to electronic media. Libel. You can't take someone's information or say something wrong about them in a blog any more than you can do it in a television interview, a radio interview, or put it in a newspaper interview. The same exact laws apply to conventional media that apply both to the internet and to blogs. So keep it simple. Just use the same rules that we've been using for the last 50 years. Of course, the challenge is that it's so much easier with the social media and with the new technology to do these things. And I think that for a lot of people, intellectual property is this kind of fuzzy concept that they they don't really understand or that they think, you know, using an article that somebody published in a newspaper that's online and passing it on to somebody else or putting it on your website, that's not really violating their intellectual property rights. Or taking a photo that somebody took and putting it on their website or a video and they think, what's the harm in that? So what do you do if that happens and something like that shows up on your blog? Or something that you see increasingly are the famous aggregators, people who are taking the content from several other dozens or hundreds of people, that is, other people's intellectual property, and linking to it or posting it on their website. Those are issues that are not new, but that are becoming more prevalent because it's so much easier. How do you address that? Yeah, actually, that is a big deal, uh, copyrights. And, and we saw that going all the way back to Napster uh, when people were distributing uh, music and other copyrighted materials over the Internet because it was so easy to do. I mean, Napster got sued $5.3 million and has set a precedence for don't do that. And we're seeing more and more of that. People believe that just because it's on the Internet and available to public, it's public domain, which means that the public owns it. And that isn't necessarily the case. Well, there's something called Creative Commons, and I talk about it a little bit in the book. And it's really kind of cool. Creative Commons says that you can distribute any of my stuff, and you can use it on your website. You can reference it. You can even copy it. Just don't sell it. You don't have the right to to make money off of something that I've created. So what I would recommend is go to Google and type in the word Creative Commons, and you will see this new kind of set of laws that's really applying to the Internet. And generally, the rule of thumb is if you're not using it for commercial purposes, if you're not benefiting financially from it, then you know what? Use it. I mean, if you want to go steal one of my blogs, I I write blogs for Fast Company, for example, and I see them. It's called scraping. What they do is uh, they have an automatic kind of a uh, a search engine that finds blogs, takes all of the content, and then republishes them on their blogs so they get the traffic, they get the advertising revenue. I'm not real crazy about it, but as long as my name is in there, as long as my copyright's in there, as long as Fast Company is in there, I'm cool with it because – The links are in there because it's automatic, so they don't change the links. So I'm still getting the link love from Google, link love meaning, you know, links going back and forth. So you know what? If you want to steal my stuff like that, I'm 
completely cool with it. You want to take my images? Go ahead as long as I get credit for it and you keep my links intact so that I get search engine. I get Google juice. But don't make money off of me. Don't steal it and sell it. With that wisdom and that permission, let's talk a little bit about the social networks, which are (laughs) so interesting. First of all, going back to the concept, help us define what would you say, Lon, is a social network? Great question. Social network, well, it's like social, a branch off of social media. Social media, social, means you and I communicating. Right now, you and I are having a great conversation. I just love this interview. And we're using Skype. Well, Skype is a social media tool because we're allowed to be social to human beings communicating and we're using a new tool, social media. And social networks is kind of part of that. Social means people coming together. The key is like-minded people, meaning that we have something in common right out of the gate. And we're going to go to one place on the internet where we can exchange ideas that benefit each other and that we have in common. And I know that's kind of generic. Let me give you a better example. LinkedIn, out of all the social networks, LinkedIn for business is is the most valuable. It's an online, and I'm going to use a copyrighted word, it's an online Rolodex. It's an online directory. So if you're looking for a service provider or a product provider, go to LinkedIn. Go look up some different companies. If you're looking to get in touch with an officer in a particular company, LinkedIn is awesome. And I can cite some examples if you'd like later. Um, So LinkedIn is a great business network of like-minded people. We're all there to benefit each other in business. Facebook, by the way, Facebook has over 200 million members. And if Facebook actually was a country, it would be larger than Russia, Japan, and Nigeria, just to put it in perspective. 200 million members. Well, as a marketing person, as a CEO, let me tell you something. Anytime there's 200 million people in one place that have a similar interest as a marketing person, as a salesperson, I want to be there. I want to be part of that network. So should a company be on Facebook? Absolutely, especially when the cost is free. Definitely be on Facebook. Then the question then goes, well, should I be on MySpace? MySpace is just a bunch of pimply-faced teenagers talking about squirrels on, on skateboards. Well, that isn't actually the case. MySpace, the age demographic, is currently at 24. More than a third of everybody in there is between 35 and 55 years old. So that demographic is actually changing. Is MySpace a great place for business? Is there a a measurable ROI? Eh, Not so much as the others. But what does it hurt to get in there and to participate and to have a web page? If your clients, if your demographic likes Facebook, especially your prospects, if they're using Facebook and they trust Facebook and they're looking for the next service or product provider and you're not in there and your competitor is, guess who they pick? So if you're not in the game, you can't win. So what I recommend is get in all the social networks and do it in this order, LinkedIn, Facebook, and MySpace, and then start looking at some of the others like Academy and Plaxo and and some of the other uh, smaller networks. Uh, Another one that's great is Fast Pitch. Fast Pitch is based out of Florida as yourself. Great company, great website. As a company, you need to be in there too. And if you don't have time to fill out your profiles in your company, if you don't have the resources, get an intern to do it. I noticed you haven't mentioned YouTube. What would you tell us about YouTube? Well, you know, YouTube and uh, PhotoBucket and Flickr and a lot of the other sharing, quote-unquote sharing sites, you got to be there too. I mean, um, I've got 10 commandments. Let me just give you the 10 commandments. That way you know the, the top 10 things that you need to do to cover all your bases. The first thing is blog. And we've talked about blogging and the importance of it. It sets you up as a indis- perceived industry leader and gives you two-way communication. Uh, commandment number two is create your profiles. Your company and you individually need to get out to every one of these sites. If you don't think it's important, send me an email. Say that you don't think it's important. What I'll do is I'll go get your profiles. And then in a couple of years, when you figure out that it now is important, I'll sell them back to you. That's called cyber squatting. So get them before someone else get them. Get your personal name, get your company name, and get your group name. Just go get them, even if you don't use them. 
The other one is update, upload photos. Use Flickr. Flickr is awesome. People use it as a, as a social place to gather around photographs. Uh, show pictures of your customers, happy customers, smiling customers. Uh, your, even your last Christmas party. Don't put the one with the president drunk with the lampshade on his head. That won't help your career advancement. But get the other photographs up there because, again, if people like Flickr and they're involved, they're going to search in Flickr and they they come across your photographs, then you win. Same thing with YouTube. YouTube is an awesome vehicle. Put your your videos. Everybody's got videos. You've got training videos. You've got commercials that you produced. You've got, if you don't have videos, grab that intern, go get yourself a cheap flip cam, a, a video recorder, and go talk to some of your customers. Get on Skype and actually download their faces uh, because people like video and, and get that loaded. Uh, I just got a job in the Netherlands because someone saw one of my 90 videos. And most of my videos, by the way, are really lousy quality, good content, poor quality. But that's okay. It got me a job that I never would have gotten before. That was $10,000. So there's my ROI. The next one is podcasts. Gosh, this is what you do. Record. Get your podcast out there. Now, if you're not in radio and you have a company, that's okay. Make a telephone call. Talk to your customers. Make a Skype call to your customers. Just talk to someone else in your organization. The hardware, the software, it's all built into your computer anyway, it's, and it's free. So just record podcasts. Put them up on your website. People will listen to them at the gym, listen to them in the car. The next one is comment on other blogs. This is something that people kind of don't know about. It's called comment marketing. I want you to set up Google Alerts. They're free. You can put in any words you want. I use Lon Safko, Social Media Bible, Innovative Thinking. Anytime any web page or any blog anywhere in the world becomes published, I know about it in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. So I'll immediately go to that blog. I'll read it. If it's favorable, I'll congratulate that person on writing a really good blog. And I sign it, Lon Safko. Usually it's about the book, so they like the author signing it. And if it's not so good, which occasionally you'll get, it gives you the opportunity to diffuse that bad press. Number eight is get connected. As we talked about with LinkedIn and and Twitter, make sure that all your addresses are in your email signature. Make sure they're on your business card. Make sure that you talk about them. And the next one, if you don't understand social media, which not any, we all don't, I'm not an expert as much as I know. I spend a lot of time researching. Just give me 30 minutes once a week. Just Research a keyword, research something that you've heard about social media, and if you do that after a couple of months, you'll feel comfortable with social media. And then the last and most important one is what makes YouTube videos uh, the most viral and everything viral is being creative. Just be creative. Be yourself. Have some fun and get involved. Get your stuff on the internet because, again, if you're not in the game, you can't win. Unfortunately, social media is coming whether you participate or not. <laughs> it's kind of like the internet back in 1995. Fortune 500 companies didn't know what to do with the internet. They were really slow adopters to uh, creating what we called brochureware, uh, where people just put up their electronic brochure as their homepage. But as you saw, if you weren't on the internet right now, you'd be shaking your head. You'd be out of business. And social media really is the same thing. Ignoring it isn't going to make it go away. Embracing it and being an early adopter is going to give you a competitive advantage. Truly, it just comes down to being just that simple. So if you don't have resources, and right now in this economy, many companies, especially smaller ones, don't have resources to take on new projects. I'm sorry for that, but you do have to participate. So yeah, your customers and prospects are expecting you to have a web page. They're also expecting you to participate in Twitter, blogs, social networks. You, they want you to be in the game. So, again, my advice is use interns. Interns are awesome. Call your local community college or your, or your uh, four-year college. Talk to uh, the, the dean of communications and say, can you give me the name of the top three brightest people in your graduating class? Oh, my gosh. You just got the best of the best. Bring them in as interns. Bring in people as uh, – a minimum wage, or just allocate some resources, reallocate, take people who are doing conventional marketing and just have them do less of conventional and a little bit more of the social media stuff because your customers are expecting that you're going to be out there doing this. And trust me, if your competition's doing it and you're not, it's going to cause you a lot of harm. 
So, Lon, you're out there. You've come to terms with difficulty that this is the wave of the future and the future is here, and you now have a presence in one or more of the social media outlets. What kinds of expectations should you have? What kind of a presence should you have? What should you be doing out there? Well, you had mentioned early on, uh, and I didn't get a chance to uh, mention it, and that's measuring. You can't manage what you don't measure. We've heard that before. So try to measure as much as possible. Make sure that your website has uh, Google Analytics or that you're reading your server reports. And by the way, emphasis on reading your server reports. If you're a CEO, if you're a president, you're a vice president. If you're in marketing, if you're in public relations or communications or sales, you need to read your server reports because there is such value reconnaissance information in there that no one else has access to and it's easy to find so do that the second thing is is that if you have uh, a blog see how many people are commenting see what they're commenting on if you write a blog and you get 15 comments on it and then you write another blog and you only get one well now you're kind of getting an idea what your customers and your prospects are looking for as far as content Uh, if it's not working stop it if it is working do more of that So it's measuring. Also on YouTube, take a look at what videos you're posting and which ones are generating the most traffic. And there's even a way to go into YouTube now where you can see during the course of that video where people actually log off, where you lose them. Was the video too long? Was it too, did it not have good enough content? So you can actually analyze second for second in the videos when people are signing on, signing off, and how they're participating. So really what it gets down to is, is measure. Measure as much as you can. I think what I'm hearing is, which is pretty much true for marketing in general, is that there isn't a single formula that works for everything. You have to put your thinking cap on a little bit. And in order to make decisions, you have to figure out what's a fit for you, your company, your service, and your audience. Yeah. Yeah, know your demographic. That's the most important thing. Know how you're going to communicate with them. Again, uh, uh, we were talking, I just was uh, speaking with um, Healthways, which owns Silver Sneakers, which is a senior uh, exercise program. And one of the questions that came up is, is, you know, why should we Twitter? Because seniors aren't using Twitter. There's no point in tweeting. But then my answer was, is, yeah, but aren't there kids doing it or their grandkids and when the grandkids are watching things like if you want grandma and grandpa to live longer you got to get them off their duff and out there exercising guess what those are influencers your kids and grandkids so it's that wasn't really obvious and it wasn't even obvious to me at first so you got to kind of study get into the head do some psychological marketing of who your demographic is figure out the best tools measure those tools to find out which ones are the most effective and really the most important thing is it's it's brand awareness so it's going to take a little bit of time. Don't just spend a week or two tweeting and then say, oh, there's no ROI, so I'm not going to do it anymore. You got to kind of stick with it. It's like, uh, again, national advertising where you're constantly getting your brand out in front of people. So just give it a little time, measure it as much as you can. What do you think about the argument that it's more important to have an audience that is engaged in what you have to say than to have a large audience that is disinterested? Do you think that is a powerful concept that you should focus your energy on in terms of social media? Awesome insight. Absolutely. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree that... uh, Having a, a smaller audience that's more interested is, is really much – it gets back to the, the followers on Twitter. Yeah, you can have 2,000 people following you, but if no one's paying attention to your tweets, then it, there's no value to it. So, yeah, and you know what? That's your responsibility, by the way, because the more valuable – the tweets are, the more valuable the blogs are, the more valuable your content in your social networks are. Well, you know what? The more people are going to follow you, they're going to be sincere. And the most important thing is to retain your customers and to convert prospects to customers. And the best way to do that is give them strong what's in it for me value. So yeah, focus not on numbers, but focus on quality and do that by providing quality yourself. And and that brings me to something that you've said a couple, three times uh, since we started talking, Lon, is you've emphasized the importance of being transparent, being sincere, and being authentic. And it might sound like those are really obvious concepts, 
but would you tell us a little bit about each of those and what they mean in terms of your interactions and your presence in social media? What does it mean to be transparent, sincere, and authentic? Well, you know, it, it really is about being yourself. I mean, that that's really what we're talking about. It, transparent. Again, if you're for, with a corporation, be absolutely clear that you represent a corporation and a corporation's perspective and that you're not a stay-at-home mom pretending not to be the vice president of sales for a Fortune 500 company. That's Again, it's illegal in some countries and probably will eventually become illegal here. So just to be who you are. The, the most successful blogs are the ones where people are passionate about what they do. That comes across. You can't fake sincerity. I mean, I think through this interview, you got to hear that I love social media and I love what it does for businesses. Uh, I can't fake that. And you can't fake it in a blog. So if you're not passionate about your company and you're doing it because the vice president told you, stop doing it because it's going to come across that way. So be yourself. Be completely honest. Share good what's in it for me value. And just communicate. Just be excited. Again, getting back to if you and I had lunch and I was a potential advertiser and I asked you, you know, tell me why you love doing what you do. You would tell me with passion and enthusiasm, and you'd get up on your soapbox like I'm doing right now. Do that. Those are the most successful blogs. Authentic. I get fairly quickly transparent. You know, be very clear about who you are and what you represent. Be sincere. In other words, tell the truth. As you were saying, don't misrepresent your interests. How do you define authentic in this venue? What is authentic? Well, authentic kind of is a little bit of an overlap with the other two, and it drives home the point that I want you to be truthful. I want to know who you are. I want to know what your message is. I want your message to be consistent. I don't want to be sold. I don't want to be lied to. Oh, my gosh, don't do that. I want good takeaway. I want you to talk to me authentically. Like you and I, you're being authentic. You are really interested in what I have to say. You're interested in helping your listeners get value out of our conversation. Your authenticity comes across in this interview. And that's why these interviews are successful is because of your authenticity. When you use social media, whether it's a tweet or it's a blog or it's just a comment on a network, you have to come across with that same authenticity because you can't fake that either. What would you say are the three biggest advantages, the three reasons, the most compelling reasons, if you were meeting with a client, think of our audience as one big client, right? What would you say to that prospective client, is you're a big social media advocate, to convince him or her that social media is a must? What would you say are the top three compelling reasons to be a part or take part in social media? Well, the first one is fear. I'll just give you that fear of loss. Uh, if you don't embrace social media, trust me, your competition will. It's exactly the same thing. If you resisted putting up a web page, but your competition didn't, they're going to get more customers. That's the first thing. It's a, it, and it gets back to conventional media. If you're not advertising and your customers are, your competitors are advertising, they're going to get more customers. And remember, social media tools are just an extension of conventional media tools. So just include them in what you're currently doing. The second thing most important thing is, is brand recognition. Just by being in the game, even if people aren't really paying attention or they don't fully read your blogs, the fact that they get alerts that you're out there, you're providing information, that they get tweets, puts your brand in front of the customer. And that's the same thing as running back-to-back commercials during the Super Bowl or, or running commercials during primetime television or drive-time radio or Sunday news or it, there's all this day parting or week uh, parting. So being out there is really important. And the last thing that sets social media marketing aside from all conventional marketing is this value of trust. It's absolutely opposite of what we've come to know in marketing and advertising over the last hundred years. We know that with conventional marketing, because there's an associated expense and usually very, very high, not only in production but in delivery, that there has to be a very strong hidden agenda. We know that as consumers. And because there is no production or distribution cost with social media, there's no hidden agenda. So by definition, it builds trust. So 
really the most important thing is is that you have a set of tools that are absolutely free. They require some resources, human resources. But that media, rather than building disdain, as most advertisements do, is actually building trust with your audience. And that's something you can't do with any conventional media. To summarize, the fear of not being present that someone else may be in that slot if you're not there, the importance of having a presence yourself, of being out there so your customers and prospective customers can see you, and the value of trust that you build by being out there. Is that right? That's ab- absolutely correct. Very Excellent summary. You, you got to get out there. Your competitors will. There's no doubt. Uh, you got to be in the game to win because your customers and prospects are going to be looking for you in that space. And my gosh, you've got the opportunity to actually build trust with your customers and your prospects. That's something that companies have never had the opportunity to do, especially at a free cost. Okay, so you're still with this prospective customer. And they say, okay, so what are the three biggest challenges that I'm going to face as I move into this new scary space, and how do I overcome them? So what are the three challenges, and how do you overcome them? Great question. Never really thought of it in that terms. Let me give it a shot. Uh, the, the biggest challenge is, first of all, is understanding what social media is. How, how does it apply to your company? What are the right tools? And again, let me recommend the social media Bible because not only it has, and I know there's a catchphrase, tactics, tools, and strategies. Well, there are. There's tactics. It, they explain every single tool, the history of it, the what's in it for me, how do you use it? And then the middle part has about 125 companies that you can choose from, the top companies that are providing these services. And then, of course, the third part of the book is strategies. How do I do a SWOT analysis? How do I incorporate social media tools and integrate it with my conventional marketing. So really understanding what social media is, developing a proper strategy, and then the toughest part, the number three, is uh, finding the resources to do that. And if resources are a problem, go after interns, go after minimum wage, or if it's still a problem, then reallocate some of your marketing, sales, public relations, communications budget just to simply include these new tools. To summarize, the first big challenge that you face is really getting your arms around and understanding what it is. And you can overcome it by doing some research, including uh, the books that are out there, such as yours, The Social Media Bible, developing a strategy, an organized strategy to penetrate the social media market and finding the resources. I think this is probably one of the biggest ones that people are looking at right now. And you say, well, don't let that stop you. There are a lot of ways to do that, even if it's just to get your toes in the water initially, get going, move forward. And as you have more capabilities, you can expand. Absolutely. You have to be in the game because your competitors will be. Just just do it. I'm, I'm sorry, but figure out a way to get her done. And just go out there. Just go out there and do it, but do it right. Have a proper strategy. Thank you, Lon, for joining us today from Phoenix, Arizona. Well, thank you. It really was a pleasure. Excellent interview. I just, I really love speaking with you. I'd love to do it again. Thank you. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Lon Safko, who is co-author of the Social Media Bible, Tactics, Tools, and Strategies for Business Success, who discussed social media and his book, brought to you by HispanicNPR.com. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at HispanicNPR.com.